you tell someone in your family you're depressed, you get a response of, well, you don't know what depression is, or you don't have a reason to be depressed, or you haven't went through these things yet. And I think that happens because our family members, they were depressed, but they weren't allowed to call it that. They didn't have the privilege to say that. I'm Leon Guidry, and this is the Brother Be Well podcast, brought to you by Sutter Health and the Sacramento County Division of Behavioral Health Services through the voter-approved Proposition 63 Mental Health Services Act. We're going to help you level up and lean into effective solutions for mental health and sustainable wellness for boys and men of color. Hi, welcome to Brother Be Well. This is the BBW Youth Chat Series and I'm your host, Justin Martinez. Super important topic we are discussing today. We're gonna show you how to pack your mental health emergency toolkit. Gentlemen, so let's dive in uh, a little bit deeper. Uh, what kind of special concerns should boys and men of color um, be mindful of, including racial factors contributing to mental health, um, negative issues with healthcare systems and inherited factors in our families and throughout our generations and in our environments. How do we approach that uh, as young men and boys of color? Uh, I'll start with Richard. What do you think about that, boss? Um, I mean, I think that we should always be able to um, uh, be able to, you know, associate us ourselves with like other people who are um going through the same situation you know um either uh, uh, like circles um circles to be able to talk to um other people just because um when we feel that there are other people who are like us you know going through anxiety depression all that stuff then it makes us feel uh, much better that again we're not alone we're not hopeless um and pretty much it's just a matter of seeking all the the resources that were uh provided on on uh, earlier right here on these websites yeah yeah definitely and i know uh diego talked a lot about uh, having peer support during his time of anxiety uh diego tell us a little bit more about the peer support and how we can help uh, boys and young men find peer support uh, around them. Yeah, well, I think it's important, like you said, uh, you know, being a man of color, being in a minority group, to find other people that are able to communicate with you well. You know, like, I think, you know, within, you know, being a colored, a lot of times your battles with mental health are kind of ignored or they're not taken seriously. Um, you know, it's unfortunate, but that's the reality of the, the community, right? Um, so I think it's important to at least have one or two people that you can confide in, uh, you know, whether it's a man or not, but just someone that understands, you know, maybe why you choose to keep certain parts about your life private because of that stigma that Julio was talking about that's especially prevalent in, you know, colored communities. Right. So would you say it's beneficial to be quiet about the stigma surrounding you and or your family and mental health, or is it best to speak up if you're struggling? It's I, always best. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. He, okay. I said, it's, it's always best to speak up, but I understand why some people feel that pressure, 
you know, from their family and culturally to just be quiet, you know, rather than to speak up. Mm-hmm. And being a man plays a role in that too, because in the our male culture or in a toxic masculinity culture, we're not taught to speak up about our feelings. We're not taught to uh, share our emotions or to even have discussions like this, you know, so it's best to speak up. And I know Richard, you wanted to add to that. Go ahead, boss. Well, I was just going to say, yes, it, it is. I wanted to reinforce that. Yes, it is best to speak up and um, yes. in in, in uh, minority, um, you know, community, we, we are taught, you know, uh, be a man and, and keep quiet, but honestly for everybody watching and those, um, people who have experienced anxiety or are experiencing anxiety, it's it's very hard to um, share your emotions. It's very difficult to um, tell people how you're feeling because of the of, again the stigma or that you might be ridiculed and mm-hmm. might be told you're a man toughen up. Like, what are you complaining about? Right. To open up, then bottle it up. Um, because once, once, once you, um, keep everything in a bottle, it's going to, it's going to open well, up with all the pressure that you've been storing and it's not going to open up nice. And, you know, you could either hurt yourself or someone else. And that's why it's important to talk to the right people, but that's why it's also good to have, you know, again, the circle of people who you can trust people mm-hmm. who are, uh, who you know will keep a secret um, or be able to help you by reaching out to those services that you may not have the courage at that moment to reach out to yourself. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, What else? What else should we be doing to break down the stigma of mental health so that we don't find ourselves in a crisis or an emergency uh, as men? What's our perspective? Uh, Julio, what what are your thoughts? I think that, um, first of all, recognizing that everything that we have learned culturally, historically, from our family, from our parents, not everything applies today and not everything is true, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I see one of the problems that we have as uh, people of color is that for a very long time we have like put um, the resilience to trauma and pain as something to aspire to do, right? And the reality is that we shouldn't look at well, my toughness for trauma. It's uh, something that I look forward to do. Actually, it is okay to be vulnerable. It is okay to to be in contact with our emotions. And when I think from an indigenous perspective, right, Mm -hmm. I I talk about decolonizing myself and my community. Mm -hmm. In indigenous communities, there is this concept of a sacred circle where one one of the members sometimes is put in the center when they're going through a very hard time and everybody else around the circle helps them out. Mm. And then I thought that tears are something that is very healthy because just like water in a river on a creek, it needs to flow. 
because if it remains stagnant, it just goes sour, right? Mm -hmm. So the same thing with us. And to look at our brains as something that is part of our body. You know, I think that it's so funny how we pretend that we live in silos, my spirit, my physical health, my mental health, my emotional health, right? If somebody cuts one of my legs, I can continue life. But if somebody, like, does something to my brain, if I get a TBI, a traumatic brain injury, it's going to affect every single thing in my functions Mm. to live a normal life. So why don't we look at mental health concerns the same way? It's something that is affecting my brain that is impairing every other function in my body. And to give that compassion to one another and to say, I understand that my ancestors, whether it's, I'm, I'm an Afro-Mexican indigenous man, right? Like my ancestors had to go through a lot of things, but it's time to heal. I don't have to be in that survival mode anymore. And I'm worthy to heal and to have a better life. That's the first step to destigmatize and fight for mental health. Yep. Thank you so much, Julio, for that. Um, anything to add, Malika? I think you were going to jump in there. Yeah, I was going to say that that exactly what Julio was saying is completely correct. Um, I I believe that a lot of our a lot of our family members. It, it's good for us to understand that our ancestors and our family members had to go through a lot of traumatic experiences in order mm. for us to be where we are. But it's also good for our it's also good for our older family members to understand that this is a new time and place. And just because the things that we're experiencing today are different or seem less stressful to them than it, than it was for them when they were um, our age, doesn't invalidate, right? A lot of times coming from it's, and I'll specifically speak from a black household. um, When you tell someone that you tell someone in your family, you're depressed, you get a response of, well, you don't know what depression is, or you don't have a reason to be depressed, or you haven't went through these things yet. And and it's and I think that happens because our families, our family members, they did have they were depressed, but they weren't allowed to call it that. They weren't allowed, they didn't have the privilege to say that, oh, I'm depressed and now I need to go see a therapist. Mm. And I also really wanted to just to add this other part on. I love that Julia brought up the fact that people don't look at mental health as as important as they do physical health. And and mm-hmm. like, it, I always have this saying of, if we're gonna go you know, to the dentist twice a year, go to the, you're gonna go to the doctor twice a year for all these checkups, then I think you should add in this element of a mental health checkup, just as, and put, bring it to the same level, if not more important than your, you know, these physical and, and dental health check-ins. Yep, yep, definitely. and. Asking for help, back to what we said before, learning how to ask for help when you're dealing with stressful uh, situations and environments, asking for help is a sign of strength, not a sign of weakness. Um, this is incredibly important. You know, uh, my grandfather was 87. He just passed away last Wednesday, right? Very, lived a beautiful, long life. We were best friends. I'm, I'm at peace with his uh with him no longer being here but the huge role that plays in a latino family since my grandfather was that way is back in the 1930s 
he was separated from his siblings and his family because his mother was a single mother of four and she was dealing with depression. But in that day, they didn't go and seek out any help for depression. They put her in a mental mental institution. And then he went to an orphanage uh, at five years old, you know, and then he was shown no love and affection throughout his entire life. And he suppressed all of his mental issues with alcohol um, and women, you know, uh, so those things just went passed on down the line, you know, and it comes back down to me and where I am. Like we all said, this is a different time that we live in and we have to learn to ask for help so that we don't struggle uh, in our life or for the rest of our life with these mental health issues. I want to talk about the inpatient process when someone is in a crisis, when someone is in a mental health crisis. Uh, Christian, if you could help me out, what does that inpatient process look like? What happens when someone is in need and is admitted to the inpatient facility uh, because they're in danger uh, to others or to themselves? And what does that look like? Sure. Yes. Um, I think you touched on uh, two of the three criteria that uh, legally that uh, law enforcement looks at and also clinicians look at to rev- to determine whether or not um, a patient is appropriate for um, admitting, being admitted. And as you said, it's being a danger to yourself, being a danger to others um, or gravely disabled, meaning you're not you're unable to take care of yourself with food and clothing. Um, that's a, that's the legal criteria. Um, and if you meet any of those criteria, you can be admitted voluntarily or involuntarily. So for example, if you have someone who's um, having a, um, mental health crisis and they're harming themselves, maybe they're, um, cutting themselves or they're, um, um, maybe they've taken a a certain amount of pills Mm. that person can be involuntarily admitted, meaning whether either law enforcement is called or um, now many counties are working on having non-law enforcement mental health resources come out in lieu of, in place of police officers. So these are teams and units that could uh, assess and, uh, and admit someone uh, or uh, um, requ- uh, request for them to be admitted. Um, so that's the criteria that uh, needs to uh, occur. Uh, yeah. Once they're in the facility, it's a hospital setting. So they go through a normal intake process. They're um, they're given a clinician to work with them to really get down and find out what's going on with them. Um, this is for adults and children. So uh, even for uh, youth, uh, 12 years old, 13 years old, um, anyone 12 years old and older um, can consent for their own treatment um, if it's volu- if it's voluntarily. Again, if it's involuntarily, then uh, um, there's no consent needed because they're a danger to themselves. Um, right. There's an adolescence unit. It's for Sacramento County speaking. There's an adolescence unit, a youth unit that, that's separate from the adult unit. And once you're in there, um, you're um, they can be put on three uh, three different types of holds. A 5150 hold is a mm. 72 hour hold, meaning they have steps. Meaning uh, within 72 hours, clinicians are able to uh, um, assess you for that time to see how you're doing. Right. So they give you three days. To really see what's going on, uh, see if your if your symptoms um, subside or if they calm down, and you get to a baseline. The next is a fifty-two fifty hold, which is a little bit longer hold, where it can and it can go on to a fifty-two seventy-two. So you have a um, two-week hold or a thirty-day hold. 
So, and, and, and the purpose of those holes is just to really assess, to find out if more treatment is needed, more medications needed. And while they're, uh, while the patient is in these facilities, they're receiving counseling. There's uh, art classes that are going on. Right. They're receiving uh, medication support. Um, they're, um, they're in communication with their peers if they, if they consent for that. So if you'd like to continue talking to your uh, family members, there's a big misconception that it's like jail. And uh, you're able to talk to your family members. You're able to have visiting uh, rights and things of that sort. You have privacy rights. Um, they, of course, they feed you your meals throughout the day. And then the ultimate goal is to get you to a point where they can connect you to mental health services before you're discharged. So that's the ultimate goal. Um, so that's the inpatient setting um, right. in, a, in, a, in a whole. And, uh, and ultimately, the goal is really to get that patient to um, be stable where they can either be uh, admitted to maybe uh, outpatient uh, one one time a week therapy services. So, yeah. And also, I just want to say that every county has a inpatient facility. So what regards to what county you're in, whoever's listening to this, you know, whatever county you're in, um, each county has an inpatient facility um, that, that has access to these services. Incredible. That's so, so good to know, um, because I think a lot of people have these predetermined judgments of what that means. Oh, um, my mom's going to go to a mental institution. You know, you don't know what goes on in those institutions or movies kind of portray this uh, specific circumstantial you know, evidence that that's what happens in an institution. So thank you for clearing that up for us, Christian. Uh, I, guys, you know, this is really, really important stuff to talk about. We've learned a lot. We've gained a lot of tools today, just learning how to be strong and be vulnerable and share our feelings with people that we feel uh, safe with, you know, and amongst other things, hotlines, uh, warm lines, all of those things. What are some final tips that we have for our viewers at home on how to pack their tools? What tools do we pack with in a mental health emergency? I'll start with Shamar. Can you say the question one more time? Yeah, what are some final tips? Final tips on how to pack tools for your mental health emergency toolkit. Anything mm -hmm. you want to add to that? I would probably just say, don't be afraid to own up to your challenges. That's there, There's no other way to say it. Don't be afraid to own up to them and don't be afraid to go to people. Nobody's going to get ticked off at you just because you came and asked for help. Mm. Thank you. Thank you, Shamar. Richard, what are your thoughts, boss? So again, just to reiterate, you know, just have, have your circle, have your circle of friends who and family who you can reach out to, who you feel um, comfortable with sharing um, your emotions, you know, the text hotlines and, um, you know, a, a pet team in case, you know, you have a family member who is going through suicidal ideations. Um, and I mean, most importantly, is stay strong. It's, it's, it's difficult to do that. It's very difficult to do that. But, um, you know, maybe writing, that's another thing, writing um, your thoughts down. So for some people, it helps to, um, you know, for anxiety, write anything that's in your head at that moment. And for, for some people, it calms them down. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, yoga, um, some people, you know, when, they sh when they're tense and because of anxiety, 
Um, you know, yoga relaxes some people, um, and, or, or try to do, you know, any hobbies that, you know, can, can calm you in, in any instant, make a list. If you, if you know that a certain person or that yourself, you have chronic depression or, or chronic anxiety, prepare yourself when you're in a good mental state, write down what you can do and who to call for whenever you do get in that depressive or anxious state, you're, you're kind of prepared. Got it. So an in case of emergency contact, um, if we could shuffle those hotlines uh, and resources one more time as we wrap this up with our final tips, that'd be great to put these numbers back in to your phone or share them with a friend. Uh, those the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline and other resources that we're going to uh, throw up there as well. Uh, Diego, what are your last final tips, boss? How else should we be unpacking or putting tools into our emergency toolkit for mental health? Kind of to expand on what uh, Richard said, yeah, it's good to find that outlet, you know, whether it's expressing yourself through an art form or a physical, you know, activity. I mean, that's good for your brain. You release, you know, good chemicals that otherwise wouldn't, you know, be there. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's important to have that balance, you know, between especially right now during this pandemic of, you know, going outside, getting some fresh air, doing some exercise. Um, and then uh, what he also said is about staying strong. I think it's important to stay strong, but also to know when to ask for help. You know, you have to, you have to find that middle ground, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Julio, what are your final tips? Um, first of all, thank you for having me here before mm -hmm. I go. Um, you know, just to remind ourselves that everything is temporary, right? Uh, I'm going to take a little bit personal. When we first started talking today, I said that, um, you know, the young kid that I was never looked at things the way they are now, right? Being in front of all of you guys is something that I would have never imagined, having a history of suicide attempts and mental health. and I never thought possible that recovery and happiness uh, was possible, mm. right? Until I learned that all my emotions can be temporary and I don't need to have a permanent solution to a temporary emotion. Mm. And part of the reason why I do this work is because I believe in the potential and the beauty that each, each and every single one of us brings to the table. Sometimes we get depressed and we get all these emotions because we feel that we're not good enough. I was given certain talents that I'm very good at that mm -hmm. other people don't have. And some of you bring talents to my life that I'm not good at. And that's the reason why. So we can collaborate and we can count on each other. So mm -hmm. reach out to people, know that you're not alone. And all our thoughts, our emotions are temporary. So that's Thank what I Thank you so much, Julio. Glad to have you here. Glad to make a friend of you as well. Uh, Malik, what are your final thoughts, boss? So I think my final thoughts would definitely just be more about the focusing in, um, like everyone was saying earlier, the focusing in on these things that are going to take you out of that mindset and finding these different outlets of joy. And when you can't find them, 
figure out how to find them, right? When I don't, when I don't know what's going to bring, what's if nothing around me is giving me joy anymore, then going to search for that thing or or pulling back, pulling back some of those tools from when you were ten, right? Like sometimes I know some one thing that one of my friends do is color. Every time they have coloring books, they're a full adult, right? But this is something right. that used to bring them peace at a time and comfort at once before so they're able to bring that back out and use that and and that's just to kind of help shift the the emotional um element but it's also again making sure we keep and keep these tools that we have and these hotlines and and calling calling people when we are getting to that point but to help us from getting to that point using using these using these outlets using these outlets of joy as much as as often as you can Thank you. Thank you. And having people to talk to and peer support is another tool that we can utilize as well. Christian, bring us home. What other tips do we have for our viewers? Uh, how can we put more tools in our mental health emergency toolkit? Sure. I use a, a PSC model uh, for a lot of the clients I work with. It's a PSC and um, it starts with positive self-talk. So um, most of the negative thoughts and, and, and depression comes from the negative thoughts that, that go in your mind over and over. So really being positive, having positive self-talk and saying that out loud. So you're saying it out to yourself, I am, and in a positive word. And so you're, you're really saying positive affirmations to yourself out loud versus in your mind or writing it down. When you say things, it goes out of your mouth, whether it's positive or negative, and it goes right back into your ears. So that's the concept of the P part. The SC is, uh, is the self-talk part. So you're, you're, and, and you're really doing self-talk and you're talking to yourself in a positive way that supports that. And you're, and you're also challenging those negative thoughts and um, you challenge those negative thoughts that you have. So whenever you think I'm not anyone, I'm, I'm worthless or I'm not good enough or I won't get that job, challenge, that, challenge it, challenge that thought. Why, why aren't I good enough? And then challenge where you think the source of that thought came from. Is that a thought that just came out of nowhere? Is that a thought from a past negative experience? So start challenging those thoughts that come to your mind. And then the last part is the C, which is culturally competent services. Everyone that's on this chat, uh, most of the youth, you guys are in a, a great position right now because you have the ability to choose who you want to be seen by. And you don't have to just take any therapist that comes along that your doctor sends you. If you would like to have a doctor that relates, we talked about it all, you know, a lot today about um, about our culture and where we're from and being indigenous. If you want to have a, a, a culturally competent therapist or someone working with you, you have all rights but to request that. And I, I would encourage you to, you know, if, if you need those type of uh, services, you want someone maybe um, that's a male or a female or maybe you want someone who's Latino or, or bilingual speaking, or they're uh, Mixteco, which is a um, which is the indigenous uh, group that requires a different type of interpretation services um, outside of um, speaking Spanish. These are all the different services that you can request. Um, you can take control of your medical rights versus a medical company telling you who you're going to see and who you're going to talk to. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely, um, and. To wrap us up, guys, I'll add my last tip here is to seek out therapy when you are good and ready to do so. You know, therapy has definitely helped me in my life. It's been a huge tool in my mental health uh, emergency toolkit. 
you know, uh, I'm dealing with things in my life right now that I can't go through alone. You know, like I said, my grandfather passed away. Um, I'm dealing with a lot of personal things in my life, but I am stronger because I have a therapist that I can sit and discuss this stuff with, help me reorganize things, help me compartmentalize uh, and learn how to how to deal and manage with my stress. Um, those things are huge for me. So knowing that we all need help sometimes and, and asking for help is a strength to recap on what we talked about. Um, Use algae when you're approaching somebody in a mental health emergency. Approach and access for suicidal harm. Listen non-judgmentally. Give reassurance and reinforcement. Encourage professional help. Just like I just encouraged anyone to go to therapy if they're in need. Uh, encourage self-help or other support strategies like the numbers and hotlines and warm lines and text hotlines that we uh, gave you guys today. Just know that you're not in this alone. Uh, we are all here for each other. And I want to thank uh, Richard, Shamar, Diego, Christian, Julio, Malik. Thank you for joining us on this chat. This was incredibly important. I appreciate you all from the bottom of my heart. Uh, I want to also thank you for tuning in to this episode of How to Pack Your Mental Health Emergency Toolkit. If you enjoyed this discussion and you want to visit more Brother Be Well content, please go to our website at brotherbewell.com. Again, that's brotherbewell.com. As always, I'm your host, Justin Martinez, signing off and always reminding you, Brother Be Well. And that wraps up another episode of Brother Be Well. Get ready for text and email alerts on more great things happening later this month. I'm Leon Guidry. Check us out next time for more mental health and wellness inspiration. Until then, stay up, family.